I'm Dr. Orion Taraban, and this is Psychacks, Better Living Through Psychology. And the topic of today's short talk is what evolutionary psychology gets wrong. So I'm a big fan of evolutionary psychology. I think it helps to explain a lot of modern behavior. And that's because everyone alive today is really a link in an unbroken chain of billions of years of evolution generally, and hundreds of thousands of years of Homo sapiens existence specifically. Our civilization and technology are advancing at a fantastic rate. However, that certainly doesn't mean that our biology and psychology are keeping pace. Some of our heritages have a very long shadow, and it is imprudent to suffer the illusion that we can or should consciously liberate ourselves from all of these vestiges. So it makes sense to examine where we came from and how we've been living for hundreds of thousands of years to see how this legacy might inform the modern world. And there are few domains where evolutionary psychology is more relevant than that of intersexual dynamics. And that's why I'm particularly fascinated by the subject, and I believe it has a lot to teach us here. However, one thing that I believe that evolutionary psychology gets wrong, or at least fails to sufficiently appreciate, is that we don't have to have recourse to phenomena that no longer exist to explain a lot of mating and dating behavior. Like, evolutionary psychology seems particularly fond of the saber-toothed tiger which seems to find its way into almost every evolutionary explanation. Like the reason why women want to mate and date with taller men is because taller men could see above the grass of the savanna more often than shorter men, which would allow them to hunt the saber-toothed tiger more effectively than short men, which would make it more likely that they would bring home nutrient-rich meat, which would increase infant head circumference relative to a purely vegetarian diet, which would decrease infant mortality, etc. You see, the idea is that most mating preferences are rooted in a very primitive idea of survival, which, while not entirely untrue, in my opinion, kind of misses the mark. And why is that? Because there is something that still exists today that has existed throughout human history, and that in many respects, continues to impact survival in a much more pervasive, albeit indirect way. No saber-toothed tiger required. And what is that thing? In a word, status. Status exists today much the same way that it has existed in tribal clans hundreds of thousands of years ago. And status, in my opinion, explains much more about mating and dating behavior than do saber-toothed tigers and savannas. Think about it. The vast majority of things that men and women look for in their sexual partners have little to nothing to do with their ability to pair bond or form successful, stable relationships. A man's height has little to do with whether he will be a good provider. A woman's breasts have little to do with whether she will be a decent mother. And I talk about this phenomenon more in my episode, The Superficiality of Desire. However, might there be something deeper behind the superficiality? The fact is that people want what other people want. And the ability to mate and date with a partner who exhibits socially desirable characteristics, irrespective of what those characteristics might be, is a social flex 
that both reflects and consolidates one's position in society. And there are a number of benefits associated with a high social standing, many of which indirectly redound to survival. So, for example, if for whatever reason, other women have decided that tall men are desirable, then being able to mate and date with a tall man would reflect and consolidate in some small part that particular woman's standing among the other women in her community, which would construe benefits over and above any directly attributable to her partner's height. Now, before I go any further, if you're liking what you're hearing, then please consider sending this to someone who might benefit from its message. It's word of mouth referrals like this that really help to make the channel grow. And you can also hit the super thanks button and tip me in proportion to the value that you feel you derive from this video. I really appreciate your support. Now, does a taller man make for a better partner? Not at all. But a partner that possesses more socially desirable attributes, whatever those attributes might be, is likely a better partner than one that possesses fewer socially desirable attributes, whatever those attributes might be. And I say whatever those attributes might be because these attributes absolutely are culturally relative and change over time. In fact, I don't think it would be too far uh, to say that there is a good deal of faddishness to what people look for in a partner. I mean, just look at the female archetype of beauty. A century ago, men, for whatever reason, decided that curvier, plumper women were desirable. They called it Rubenesque. Today, it's thin and athletic. Does the one make for a better wife and mother than the other? I think it's probably fair to say that both are equally irrelevant when it comes to that consideration. However, the ability to mate and date with a woman who possesses the socially desirable attributes of her time is a status flex, which reflects and consolidates a man's general position in the status hierarchy, which does indirectly affect these considerations. While the specific socially desirable attributes change all the time, what remains constant is the status accrued to the person who is able to visibly mate and date with those who possess those attributes. It's fascinating. Yes, younger women are more fertile and have more childbearing years ahead of them, which evolutionary psychology would say is what makes them more attractive to men. And I would agree. But I would also say that younger women are what men have decided are socially desirable, which would mean that mating and dating with younger women would be a status flex, which evolutionary psychology should say is also what makes them more attractive to men. People are attracted to partners who exhibit socially desirable characteristics because, like a totem, they believe that the status, that social desirability, can and will accrue to them by association. Mating with such a partner reflects positively on who they are as a person and both maintains and signals their status to the rest of the community, neither of which are particularly superficial concerns. This is because status is not a superficial thing. Higher status people have way more access to resources and opportunities today just like they had more access to resources and opportunities hundreds of thousands of years ago. So while the rules evolve, 
the game kind of remains the same. And this, I think, is one of the true motivations behind the social movements that visibly promote women with non-socially desirable characteristics as paragons of female beauty. While what men decide is socially desirable is somewhat faddish and will change over time and place, it won't change very quickly. These things kind of evolve over decades, which means that even though what is ignored today might become socially desirable in the future, that will be too late for the women of today who are outside the current fad. So these movements are public relations campaigns designed to influence male collective preference with the goal of allowing more women who may have been arbitrarily excluded or discounted to compete more effectively with women who possess the socially desirable characteristics of the contemporary moment. These movements often present themselves as having other motivations, but this, I would argue, is one of their fundamental goals. So maybe superficiality isn't all that superficial after all. What do you think? Does this fit with your own experience? Let me know in the comments below. And if you've gotten this far, you might as well like this episode and subscribe to this channel. You may also consider becoming a channel member with perks like priority review of comments or booking a paid consultation. As always, thank you for listening.